This is Melissa Lockard with Alex Coffee from the Steamheads, a show about the Oakland A's. The A's announced their initial 60-man roster pool on Sunday. What stood out from that group? I think for me, the thing that really stood out, and I, I think this has kind of been the theme since you know they started the first iteration of spring training, is just how deep their roster is. I mean, you, you look at what um, they're putting together for a 60-man pool, and there's a lot of guys that are in that additional training group that are, are not on their at kind of active roster that you could see still playing a role with the team at some point. And, you know, and even some of the guys that are going to be in that alternate training site, it would not be surprising, especially some of the pitchers, if they came up and contributed. So I think, you know, I've been covering the team for I don't know, about 15 years or so. And this is one of the deeper groups of 60 players that I've seen the organization put together. And um, I don't know, Alex, what you thought when you saw it. No, yeah, I I totally agree. And that's definitely advantage, like in such a kind of fluky year where guys could be not just suffering injuries from, you know, a couple of weeks, months of training on their own to all of a sudden having to pick up their spring training 2.0 in the regular season to getting COVID-19, I think. Depth is definitely an asset for them right now. And as you wrote, as you projected with their 30-man roster, it looks like that there shouldn't be too many huge surprises there. So it's nice to have a little bit of extra wiggle room. Yeah, and I think what's going to be really interesting, now that they have a little bit of extra time to sort of evaluate some of the guys that were battling for positions during uh, the first spring training, you know, guys like Jorge Mateo and VMO Machine and the backup catching situation. But in, in particular, Mateo, it'll be very interesting to see how they deploy him in those first couple of weeks before they have to whittle down the roster. Because because, you know, not only does he give them, obviously, a backup shortstop, a guy who can play second base, but the speed element that he brings is, is somewhat unique to this roster. Uh, you know, Barreto runs well, obviously, but Jorge Mateo is probably among the top five fastest players in, in baseball. And with that extra inning rule that they're going to have that mimics what the minor leagues have been doing the last few years and, and having a runner on second base, getting into 60-game season when a couple of extra inning games could be the difference between you making the postseason or or not, having a weapon like Mateo to bring off the bench for those situations, I think will be really interesting. Yeah. And as you wrote, not just trying him out at second base, but at different, you know, slotting him in different positions, like maybe if they wanted to get a look at him at short, they could do that. And, you know, like moving around the infield a little bit, especially, in a, you know, in Simeon's last year with the team before he enters free agency. But in regards to his speed, as someone that wrote an article on Herb Washington a couple weeks ago, I would be all in for the A's bringing in another designated pinch runner. I would 100% be behind that. Yeah, <laughs> so for sure. Jorge Mateo filled that role. <laughs> I'm skeptical that it'll happen. but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny because they, they just haven't utilized speed at all, you know, in the last 10 years, even when they've had it on the roster, it's been very rare that they've yeah. actually put it into action. But, you know, he's certainly somebody who, who could bring that spark. And what's interesting is I think, you know, he hasn't necessarily been as successful as you would expect him to be in stolen bases in the minor leagues. And I, uh, one of the things I remember from last year when I was in Las Vegas was watching him work with Ricky Henderson on getting better jumps and reading pitchers. And uh, I would think that Ricky would probably stop by during this, um, you know, summer camp or whatever it is they're calling them in the next couple of weeks to sort of touch base with the base runners on that. But I think for, for Jorge, obviously that skill set is something that would help really differentiate him. You know, you mentioned the Marcus Simeon 
free agency. And of course, that's going to be a big storyline for the team, um, you know, secondary to what they're doing on the field, but throughout the season. And if they don't re-sign him, I think it's going to be a really interesting position for them to try to fill. I mean, obviously, they could make a trade or try to, to sign a free agent from outside the organization. But from within the organization, they have a lot of good prospects who play shortstop, but almost none of them have played above the uh, high A level yet in the minor leagues. And Mateo is the best defensive player of the group that has played sort of past that level at this point. You know, Nick Allen, you mentioned in your article about your four observations about the 60-man roster as being a guy to watch. And having him in that alternate training site is going to be a really interesting thing as well, because he's the best defensive player in their entire system, maybe even, uh, you know, getting close to Matt Chapman level for the whole organization. But he's never played above a, uh, a ball. So having him have a chance to kind of compete against different big league players in this alternate training site, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they feel comfortable even having him be an option to replace Marcus Simeon next year if Simeon doesn't re-sign with the team. I'm sure to fans that aren't familiar with Nick Allen or weren't around spring training, you know, 1.0, I don't know what we're calling that. Bob Melvin brought him up, I'm pretty sure, more than one time over the course of the few weeks we were in Mesa. And he was just singing his praises, saying that he could field, you know, awkward bumps and he could catch everything and he had really good hands and good instincts and advanced gloves. So I think if the bat comes along, which it sounds like it was, and, you know, he can get some reps at, you know, higher levels in the minor league system. And obviously the time he's getting right now to be in the 60 man pool can only help him. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. I mean, I, I got a chance to watch him a bunch last year in Stockton and before he got hurt. And it's a combination of instincts and uh, athleticism that I think is fairly rare for shortstops. I mean, I think you often see really good athletes at short, but they don't necessarily have the plus instincts or you have the plus instinctual guys who maybe are a little bit more limited with their athleticism. And I think that probably makes sense because you have to focus more on where you're positioned and all that sort of thing if you're trying to make up for uh, a lack of athleticism. But with Allen, he, he's not only almost always in the right place, but he's able to do those sort of special things with his footwork, positioning his body and that sort of thing that you just don't see that often from, um, you know, guys playing that shortstop position. And I think it would be fascinating to watch him and Chapman on the same side of the infield because they almost would be probably fighting for balls at some point because <laughs> the, their their range would overlap so yeah. much. It was a shame that he didn't get to finish off that season last year after the ankle injury because I think he probably would have had a chance to to get up to that double a level had he not had the injury but giving him an opportunity to to square off against some some big league veteran guys like maybe ryan goins and um, nate orf uh, during this alternate training site maybe could mimic some of that yeah and this was something i was thinking about yesterday that could potentially be an interesting thing to write about is just the way that this 60-man player pool works could really provide some big league call-ups sooner than these players otherwise would, you know, if they were going through like the traditional route, like through the minor leagues and up to the big leagues with COVID-19. And it just seems like there's so many um, variables at play that it just seems like there's going to be a little bit more shuffling around than there normally would be. So for guys like that, you know, guys that like need just more reps at a higher level, it'll be interesting to see how it affects, affects those types of players. 
Yeah, for sure. And on the pitching side, I think that's definitely something that will be very um, focused on because as you, you talked about, the, the ramping up of um, you know pitchers during a normal spring training is, is a six-week process and you're looking at a pretty short time to get pitchers going. So you know the shuffling that they're likely to do, I would imagine they are going to have to dip down into at the very least that additional group that they're bringing into Oakland that are not on that technical you know 40-man roster list right now or um, even down to that alternate training site group, which includes, you know, top starting pitching prospects like Dalton Jeffries and James Caprillion and, and Grant Holmes, and Parker Dunchy and Brian Howard. And, and those guys would have been, I think, your, you know, AAA rotation had this uh, whole minor league season not been kind of disrupted. So uh, having them as sort of the logical next up, uh, next man up type guys, if there are rotation injuries, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of a conversation that I had with Voos about how the last work stoppage or one of the last work stoppages that he worked through, I think it was 81 he was referring to, he was like, the players union told the guys just not to work out during the work (laughs) stoppage. So then when players returned to camp, it was like injury central, you know, everyone was, (laughs) everyone was getting injured. I don't think that that's what happened here. He always provides some historical perspective with how long he's been around. One of the one of the things that is so interesting about the modern athlete is that they almost can't not work. You know, they almost yeah. can't stop themselves from working out. Like these guys are so regimented in how they get themselves ready that I, I imagine everyone's going to be coming in pretty good shape. It's just whether they can translate being in great shape into to being in on field shape. Yeah, so uh, we'll get a chance to start seeing these guys. They report on Thursday, is that correct? I believe so. My concept of time is kind of <laughs> away from me right now. Um, if Thursday is July 3rd, then yes. Um, oh, Friday then, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll start to see this whole team come together. So it's going to be very interesting. And um, we'll, we'll go more in depth on the guys that are going to be in that camp in our next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back uh, next time to talk a little bit more about this 60-man roster.